coming up on Garden Talk. The AI is, it is people training those systems. Then everyone could have the power of those expert opinions via computer vision without a person actually looking personally at their plants. One of them would be a pH, either increase it or decrease it. You typically don't need both. You'll find you want to correct one direction only. I built six scales, which are all Wi-Fi enabled or part of the system, and every minute they report their weight. You really shouldn't actually have a clogging issue if you always have a pre-filter, by the way, for your pump. Automation is there to help you, to enable you, and to do a lot of the things that you don't want to do. What's up, everybody? If you that don't know me, my name is Chris, AKA Mr. Grow It, and you're tuned into the Garden Talk Podcast. This is episode number 37. In this episode, I interview Simon, the creator of The Plant Studio. Many of you like to automate your garden in some way, whether that be through auto watering, environmental controls. There are so many different things you can do to automate your garden. In this episode, we talk about the future of gardening, complete automation. Simon has developed a way to just about completely automate your garden so you, the gardener, can be hands off most of the time. Thanks to all of you who support this podcast through Patreon. If you'd like to support, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash mrgrowit. Before we get into it, I want to acknowledge that one of my goals for this podcast is to bring zero cost for information about gardening, all plants, to the general public. That being said, I'd like to thank the sponsors of this podcast who helped make that goal possible. Big shout out to Dutch Pro for sponsoring this podcast. Dutch Pro is a plant fertilizer company that has been around for over 30 years. They have base nutrients, and they also have additives such as PK boosters, root stimulators, CalMag, silica, a nutrient optimizer, and a foiler feed. They also have pH regulators to help ensure that the nutrients can be uptaken properly. I will leave a link to Dutch Pro's Amazon store down in the description section below, and you can use coupon code MrGrowIt10DP for a discount on their products. Thanks to Spider Farmer for sponsoring this podcast. They have board-style LED grow lights, bar-style LED grow lights, grow tents, inline fans, and carbon filters. They also have complete grow tent kits, which include lighting, a ventilation system, grow pots, a trellis net, a timer, and a monitor for both temperature and humidity. Coupon code MrGrowIt5 will get you a discount on their products, and I'll leave a link to their Amazon store down in the description section below. A big supporter of this podcast is AC Infinity. They sponsor this podcast, and I use their products. AC Infinity now has gardening tools and accessories, such as heavy-duty fabric grow pots, trimmers, grow room glasses, drying racks, plant ties, and trellis nets. They also have all of the equipment needed for a ventilation system. I will leave a link to AC Infinity down in the description section below, and you can use discount code MrGrowIt during checkout for a discount on their products. All right, we are back. Welcome to the Garden Talk podcast. Today I am joined with Simon. He is the creator of The Plant Studio. How are you doing today? Great. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah, thanks for coming on. My voice is still a bit raspy. Apologize for that. Luckily, Simon will be doing most of the talking in this episode, so you won't have to deal with my raspiness. Yeah, I'm excited for this one today. Uh, we're going to be talking about the future of gardening, so complete automation. You've done quite a bit of work with an automated system, box, whatever you want to call it, an indoor grow setup called the Plant Studio. And before we get too far ahead, you can be talking all about that today and just automation in general that can be applied to you know home grow in particular, I feel like. Before we get into the details on all of that, though, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got into this space? Sure. Yeah. My name is uh, Simon Romansky. I am uh, live in Massachusetts. I'm originally from England. That's where my accent comes from. Uh, I've been growing for a few years. I, um, I, I think I got into growing. I mean, I'm a technical person, so I think I got into growing when I was um, in Disneyland. I think it was, at, it was Epcot, and there's a ride called The Living Land, which is a ride that goes through a greenhouse. And I remember looking at all these different methods of growing, and it, it just looked very technical and it it just I was blown away by it, and in particular, I remember the aeroponics 
uh, section. They had these plants on the, this track that would uh, revolve around and they would be suspended. They're just holding the plants and the roots are just dangling in the air. Then they would take them through this little chamber where they would get their mist, their, their water and nutrients, basically. And I, I just was blown away the fact that, you know, plants could even be grown that way. So I think the, it's always been the technical, the interesting, uh, you know, different side of growing that I, I found interesting and really what got me started at least. Um, I do think a little differently after growing. Uh, it's not all about the hydroponics. I'm definitely a fan of lots of other, you know, living soils and, and things like that. So, um, but that's basically where I really think I got my, my start from. Nice, nice. And I know before we started recording, you talked about how you went to school for, is it engineering, mechanical engineering, yeah, or software engineering, or can you talk to us about that? Yeah, I went for, um, it was information management and technology. And basically it's almost, it's a, I went to Syracuse um, and it's a cross between computer science and management. So uh, I always say I don't consider myself a, a programmer, but a more of a developer. So I like making solutions with technology as opposed to just, you know, I don't write the, uh, the drivers for stuff and all the, the, the super technical stuff, but there are so many tools and frameworks and APIs and things out there that I love kind of putting stuff together in order to solve problems. So that's, that's really, that was what I went to school for. And it, you know, it's, it's been a fit for me ever since. Gotcha. You talk about what you just mentioned. It kind of relates to what I used to do. I used to work for amazon.com, worked in the fulfillment center for eight years. I was actually in their support side of things too, working with worldwide operations. But one thing that they do in their fulfillment centers, and I'm sure there's some people watching this that have worked at Amazon or work at Amazon right now, but they pound in your head, like the process improvement side of things like streamlining. So my mindset has always been like, how do we make things more efficient? How do we automate things to reduce the amount of labor hours that are, are put towards a process? Yeah. So yep. kind of, that, that was actually my first job was, and, um, was working in fulfillment. I worked at a fulfillment center and I liked the, um, the order and inventory management and, and the back end, seeing the packages and the orders and inventory came in. And basically what I did for this company is I kind of webified them. Um, it was, uh, dating myself a little bit. It was a while ago where people were still like the, the internet built. Some people didn't even have uh, dedicated internet access, uh, you know, continuous internet access. And um, I basically had set thing, uh, wrote some web tools and um, a web application to allow uh, clients to look and check on inventories, inventory and orders themselves without having to call the customer service rep. Because when I started, all these calls were coming in. I thought, well, that's crazy. Why, why are you calling? You should be able to just look that up yourself. So that's kind of where I began was really fulfillment. And again, I just like the solution providing. I like going back in the, you know, in the, in the warehouse because I worked in the front office and seeing were those pack slips or did it make sense for the um, pick pack ship part of the fulfillment? And so, yeah, that's similar also with, uh, with the fulfillment. Yeah. So definitely some similarities there. And then you took those skills and now you've applied them to horticulture, which is pretty cool. Can you give us a high level overview of the plant studio that you've created? Yeah, um, sure. It's a, it's a cultivation machine and it's basically there to control everything above the ground and below the ground. It's not really ground, pots or chambers or whatever your grow method is, but uh, basically root zone and uh, environment above. And the whole point of it was really to automate as much of the time consuming stuff as possible because I, you know, when it comes to watering, I would forget, or if I'm away, or if, uh, you know, did, if you're doing hydroponics and you're wanting to monitor the, the pH or um, uh, water levels and, and temperatures and stuff like that. So basically I did it so that I didn't have to spend as much time doing the stuff that I didn't enjoy doing. I, I didn't mind the plant manipulation stuff, but I don't like the stuff where you have to constantly stay on top of it or, you know, having to go and manually change things 
in the room environmentally in order, you know, because, you know, the, the temperature is too high or the humidity is off or something like that. So that was that was basically my uh, I always say I'm I'm inherently lazy, but I'll also go way out of my way to try and automate and to, to simplify it for myself. Gotcha. And actually on your website, I'll mention it right now so people can check it out if they want to and kind of get a visual of what we're about to dive deeper into. It's www.plantstud.io. It's Plant Studio, but it's um, you don't even need the W's. It's plantstud.io. And so it couldn't get the .com, but, uh, you know, I kind of like the .io makes sense in a way because it is all about, you know, input and output. So it's Plant Studio with the dot before the .io. So check that out if you are interested in that. I'll have it in the link in the description section below on YouTube so you can easily access that. There's a great video right on the homepage which uh, talks about just a ton of things within a sh very short period of time about all this automation. So let's, let's dive deeper into this. Let's start with the grow area. What size grow space is it, you know, is, and what is the plant studio made out of? Um, it, well, so the grow area is, it's a five by nine and it has, um, uh, so basically a two light setup and, uh, it's eight feet tall because height always becomes a big issue when growing you, you, a lot of people, especially indoors are limited by the height size. I'm pretty fortunate to be able to have, you know, pretty high ceilings. Um, the overall dimensions inside the, the grow machine is five by 12, but the, that extra three feet of space is there to accommodate, you know, the air conditioning, dehumidifier fans, and, and, uh, basically the equipment that helps manage the environment and gives me some space to actually, to, you know, to get inside the, the machine, uh, to tend to the plants. And um, the, the machine itself is, the, the box itself is made by, um, from insulated panels that I came up with. It's basically um, wood that is um, sandwiches, some high density insulated foam, and then these panels slot together to make, um, you know, to, to make a, a well insulated um, and sealed box. So they, um, you know, it's not your typical stick construction, like frame where people frame it and then put it up and then insulate it. These are like panels. Okay. So this is a sealed environment, just to confirm it's a sealed environment. You don't have a, an intake vent, an exhaust fan. Everything's just kind of recirculating within that environment. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, I learned this the hard way because, uh, my initial grow, um, was um, uh, I didn't have any, I, I wasn't considering any kind of air circulation. I mean, that's, that, that's how clueless I was. And I went away, I came back and um, I was growing tomatoes in the, in the early days. And I basically came back and it was just a horrible stink. And I didn't know, I thought something was rotten. And basically I realized that when you um, basically uh, drown or just deprive the plants, um, not drown, actually, it's like just remove all the, the CO2 from the air. Uh, they are not happy, just like we wouldn't like, you know, getting rid of our oxygen. And they just make an, an a crazy smell. So when I smelt and I realized, I go, oh, I, I need to change the air. Then I realized I had two different choices. And you can either, and that's a lot of the choices. It's like, do you circulate? I mean, do you, do you have a sealed room or do you um, circulate and bring in the outside in, uh, environment? And um, in the end, I just decided that a sealed room is just much easier to control um, and to maintain because I'm not pulling any, I'm not dependent on an outside environment that I'm then pulling into that room. Uh, sometimes it might make sense. It's cooler outside, I can bring the air in and it could cool it down. And it's to the humidity builds up quickly. And sometimes you go, well, we've got to pump the air out and get rid of that, that um, extra humidity. But then um, you, again, you, you're dependent on that outside environment. So the trade off, though, is then if you're dealing with 
temperatures, typically you're going to be dealing with cooling um, because the lights put off heat, it's insulated. So now you have to cool the heat of the lights. You have to cool that excess heat that comes off the dehumidifier because it does still put out heat just despite the fact that it's got the, the cooling side, you know, it overall generates more than it um, removes. Um, but again, the benefit was also controlling the environment, not pulling any pests or any pathogens potentially in. Uh, the, down, uh, it, the, the tricky part is making sure that you can size the equipment so that it is able to deal with, say, late stages of growth where your plants are big and they're putting off a lot of, um, they're transpiring a lot. And there's a lot of humidity and um, the lights are full bright, uh, um, cranked up. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's a little, that, that was a little tricky. But um, I would say that my, my one tip is as far as people being able to size correctly, you take, take the wattage of all the things that you have in that box and then multiply that by four and then whatever number you get from that is basically how many BTUs you would need to remove um, that you would get. So for me, I have about 3,000. My machine running at, at full capacity uh, with both lights on, uh, with the air conditioning and the dehumidification running, and when I'm running the large dehumidifier, is about 3,000 watts max that that runs. So 3,000 times 4, 1,200, um, 12,000, excuse me, and 12,000 is considered one ton. So I, I have a one ton mini split, and it's actually more than capable of cooling because, you know, with your watts, that is for also heat watts. The, 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 like light, a lot of that is going into your photons and it's not coming off directly as, as heat. So uh, it's good to over, more oversized. You don't want to go too big, but you definitely have to make sure that you can keep up with the, the heat and the humidity in, that, in the you know, sealed room. That makes sense. And just to reiterate, you said two lights that you're running, the LEDs, and yep. according to your website, they're coming in at 2.3 micromoles per joule. So you got some good efficiency there. I know people are going to be asking this. Can you tell us what diodes and driver you're using for those lights? I, you know, I don't know. I've had these for a few years. They're the Fluence um, Spider, the Spider X Plus. And uh, they don't actually even make these bars anymore, which is almost unfortunate because I, I, I'm definitely a big fan of the bar style light fixtures. Um, because I believe it's most closely represents the sun. And when it comes to like uh, penetration of the light for your plants, if you've got my whole ceiling, basically there's like 16 bars that go from the back to the, uh, you know, all the way across the grow area. And the sun is basically like a giant beam coming down. It's not a, it, as much as it is a spotlight. It's a, a point. As far as we're concerned, the photons are coming. Um, they, they, they're not coming from a point. Um, it, it doesn't, it's, it, it makes a lot more sense. And um, the other thing I liked with the, the LEDs um, is that you can get them a lot closer to your plants. Um, I, w I, it, depending on what style of LEDs that you use, it will vary how much, how many, how much your photons drop off based on the distance. Because the fluents don't have the lenses on these the, the diodes, um, I find that the the drop off in your PT, um, PPFD is really um, it, the the photon rate drops off a lot if you just for every foot you you bring it up. So you know I do play around with dimming the lights, but then also being able to bring the lights down closer to the canopy using less electricity, generating less heat, less air conditioning to required to cool it. Um, but again, towards the end, those lights are just just cranked up and uh, the plants, they, they don't care. They, they want as much as you can give them. 
Gotcha. That makes sense. A couple more things about the actual equipment and setup before we dive into the actual platform. So with a sealed environment, generally speaking, I think a lot of people know this is you got to run CO2. I believe you're running CO2 tanks inside the studio. You probably have a, you must have a humidifier, dehumidifier. Can you talk to us about the equipment and then also air circulation? Can you talk to us about how all of that is kind of set up within the space and how the, the air circulation is achieved in there? Yeah. So um, uh, the, the CO2 side of things, I have two tanks uh, that sit outside. They are piped in and the CO2, which naturally drops, uh, there's uh, two tubes above the fan, which sits at one end of the, which is the machine side of the, the system side of the studio. That blows the CO2 and circulates it around as it's needed. I have a sensor that can uh, be raised and lowered um, manually from the machine side um, that I keep at basically canopy level. Um, so that CO2 sensor is basically, I'm, I, I do run elevated CO2 levels, um, which is a big benefit of having a sealed room and the other thing is that um because the room is so well sealed that for an entire grow i won't uh, use maybe 10 pounds of co2 and uh, i think a lot of people struggle with tanks saying well you know i'm burning through tanks all the, all the time but when the room is really well sealed um it's it's very it's a minimal overhead. Um, I did have one one situation where my tank did run out. And um, what I ended up doing was, you know, I have a, a secondary tank, when it detects that one tank is is, you know, when, when, when the tank is on, and the system sees that the CO2 levels aren't rising, it will then assume that that tank is empty, and then flip over to the the secondary tank, because Again, you know, what happens if the CO2 runs out and you don't want to just change out your CO2 before it totally depletes just to, just in case because, you know, you've got extra CO2 in there. You might as well use it until it's gone. So I, I have the redundancy on the, on the CO2 and the air circulation. Currently, I have a fan, that um, the, an oscillating fan, and it's a small room and it does really well. At, at keeping pretty good airflow in there. I also have a carbon filter and it is they it pulls the air from lower down um, and basically goes up it's I think it's a 10 inch pipe and then shoots that air over the over the plants also. So it's kind of constantly stirring. But even with those two systems, I find that I think I could improve on air circulation. So my now my next upgrade is I will have um, two uh, tubes going along the sides on the floor and along the ceiling, which are connected for the entire length of the box. And then I'll be circulating the air from either from the underneath and, and pulling the, the cool air from underneath, bring it up to the, the, the ceiling and um, sending it out that way across these long pipes. So it's not just blowing out, it goes down the pipe and then comes out all the holes in the pipe to give more of a, trying to get more of a laminar flow because they said with CO2, um, for the plants to really benefit from it, it doesn't need a lot of agitation, but it just needs constant air movement. And it's the stagnant areas within the canopy that become the problem. Uh, it doesn't always require just big fans blasting everything, just enough slow movement um, and, and the plants are supposedly fine. That's what, that's what I've been reading. I, always, I do a lot of research and then I come up with, um, try and come up with a solution to see if that actually helps. And I'm still playing with the idea of, am I gonna take the air from the top, bring it down to the floor and let that, uh, you know, hot air, will that rise? Um, or would I be better off doing it the other way around? But it's easy enough to flip the direction of the fan and I'll, I'll be experimenting with both ways and figure out which, which works best, I guess. Okay, so that's CO2 and air circulation. Now yeah. for the 
humidifier and dehumidifier that's controlling your relative humidity and also the heater and the air conditioner that's controlling the temperature are those pieces of equipment inside the box or is it outside the box everything is inside because everything the, except for the co2 is inside the the tanks for the co2 are external so that and that uh, gets uh, pumped in i mean um all the electric work um, is uh, I have an actual a sub panel on the outside and then conduit that um, goes into the surface mount boxes um, for the outlets and even those are sealed um, with foam so that no air ex escapes. Um, so yeah, the dehumidifiers inside. That's also one. Currently, I, I'm still using uh, your regular a regular dehumidifier. And I found that I, um, when the, the plants were smaller, I, I did better using a smaller dehumidifier um, so that it wasn't cycling as much. And then as they get bigger, I switch to a, a larger dehumidifier. And then if, if when, when you can also, the great thing with the box, it can also be used for, for the, you know, post-harvest post in, in the drying phase. And when it, that happens, then I actually switch to a um, desiccant-based dehumidifier, which is uh, able to deal with the cooler temperatures. Um, it doesn't have the volume, but you can have a much cooler temperature and remove, um, I found it's just a lot more efficient um, at for power usage and it, it just works a lot better. So I also am planning on incorporating a larger built-in ducted dehumidifier um, so that, um, again, to, to give more control. Uh, you can get dehumidifiers these days that are Wi-Fi based, so you can see if it's getting, you know, if your humidity is getting too high, you could remotely go in and, and, and lower that. And um, again, with the bigger systems, there, there's always um, a control panel interface where you can then take some electronics and I could then take my computers, my, my environment controller, and have those directly control the dehumidifier rather than just having it constantly on and turning it on and off with turning the, the outlet on and off, which can be done, but isn't really an ideal way of, of doing it. Gotcha. We'll get deeper into the environmental controller and the, and the yep. studio platform in a minute here. Last thing I want to cover is, can this system be used for soil, cocoa, and or hydroponics? Yeah, yeah, because really the, the environment itself, which is just your, your air temperature, humidity, and CO2 levels, doesn't really mind what method that you're using to grow. Uh, aeroponics was my initial because I thought, well, it's a great way the roots get tons of oxygen this way, and I don't have to deal with the media uh, at all. And so that's one less thing to deal with. And I've had great success using aeroponics. Um, and it, it's, it is kind of a crazy way of growing because you, you miss the roots for, for three seconds every three minutes. And besides that, they're just dangling in the dark. And, you know, this is high pressure aeroponics. This is not like your typical cloner that has those little ray, uh, red nozzles um, just spraying constantly. This is a highly atomized um, mist with um, special nozzles and it's, it, it, it's very fine and the mist, um, the emitters are at the bottom and as they, uh, they fire, they would they that they, they they circulate and it would it really swirls around inside and it, it stays suspended for a while before it even settles so it's a great way of basically touching all the different like all the the parts of the root and getting great coverage um but again i my last my last grow was in cocoa which was just a departure i wanted to try something different because i didn't want these big chambers and plants locked into a chamber. I wanted to have some flexibility of plants and being able to actually move them around. And um, so I did a cocoa grow and um, my, my next grow is actually going to be using a living soil. And I've got a, 
a whole different, a whole new system set up that that I think is going to be um, interesting to see. You know what what I can produce using uh, using that setup. Gotcha. That's pretty cool that you built in the flexibility to be able to use the different types of mediums like that, right? Because they are they are certainly different uh, in numerous yeah, ways. Yeah. And you've incorporated the different ways within the Plant Studio platform. So, can you talk to us about uh, Plant Studio platform? Yeah. The, the the platform. This is the almost the hardest part to understand of the system because it's the. This is where it's like my, my background as a web developer is um, it's the computers and there are basic, there are three computers inside the well, in, three computers for the growth system. One of the computers is controlling the um, the lights, the temperature, the CO2, humidity, managing basically everything above the, you know, it's a, when do the lights come on and off? Um, and you know, what's your nighttime temperature, um, and, uh, what CO2 levels, you know, turning the CO2, uh, making sure the CO2 doesn't run at nighttime. Um, so that, that, that's the, the environment controller, the reservoir controller, separate system, totally non-dependent on the environment controller. Um, that it has the, um, uh, manages or monitors the pH, your EC, uh, temperature, the depth, um, sensing all the different um, attributes of the of the reservoir. And uh, the way it actually does that is I have a circulation pump and it pumps through a PVC pipe and that's where the sensors are. So instead of putting the sensors actually in the reservoir itself, it circulates the reservoir and senses those variables, the, the values um, as it does so. And uh, the idea was also when I do um, dosing and, and things like that, it also serves as a, the, the circulator is also a mixing system. And um, it makes it easier to, if you wanted to switch something out. Um, and also with the reservoir level going up and down, how do you, you know, keeping your sense, making sure your senses are always in the water is obviously important. So the, um, the system is able to fill and drain itself automatically. And this was something that was, this is one of those ones where I just got tired of trying to, you know, I didn't want to carry buckets around and empty it. That's the pain that is hydroponics. And, um, so the, um, it, it can drain almost totally empty the reservoir, but also when it fills it, I can then specify how much I want to put in. And I, I actually do everything based on liters instead of gallons. And it's not because I'm English, because I did grow up with, you know, I do, I do think of everything in gallons, but when it comes to dosing, everything seems to be done in milliliters. I mean, sometimes you would get those tablespoons or you guys that tablespoon, is that a teaspoon? And it, it, you know, but now it's all milliliters and, you know, a liter is a thousand liters. So it gives you a better idea of proportions. Um, but again, it's been great that when I go to fill it up, 25 gallons is maybe close to what, about 80 liters or something like that. So I just say 80 liters, it just puts that water in and then I go and dose from there. And so, you know, the dosing side of the reservoir controller, which again, this, this little computer controls, I have five pumps and they, you can choose whatever liquid you want to mix in. And typically you'd have your A and B uh, multi-part nutrient, and then maybe some micro, or I have a, a CalMag, um, and then you'd have, one of them would be a, a pH um, either increase it or decrease it. You typically don't need both. You'll find that you're going to drift in one direction, you know, you, you want to correct one direction only. So, you know, one of them is a pH adjuster and the other are all nutrients or additive um, based. And those inject in line with that circulator. So after it goes by your temperature, your pH and your EC, there is, and you'll see it in the video, it's the, the clear acrylic um, piece of pipe. The, the drops going in, that's dropping into the circulation 
of the um, of where the you know where the sensors are basically. So that's the the um, you know the the reservoir controller, and um, what's nice is with the computer part of it. Then is like I can then specify a program and saying, all right, empty, at this time, empty the reservoir, put this many liters into it, dose this much into it of A. Wait until you see that the PPMs has stabilized so that you know that it's well mixed. And then once you see that the, the, the EC has uh, stabilized, then go into your next, uh, your B nutrient. And then once that's stabilized, you could specify time or say, let it see if it's stabilized before doing the next one. And then it goes along. And then with the pH, again, you can, uh, I, a lot of it is just algorithms, different algorithms for pHing, and um, but the whole thing is basically set my reservoir up so that it's ready then to feed the plants. So that's the reservoir controller, totally independent of the environment controller. But then for the human side of things, now that that's the controller, it's like the human interface. That's where you can manage. It's base. Uh, Pretty basic. I can go in and turn the lights on, turn the lights off um, with a, you know, and I could turn the fans on, circulation pumps, and what have you. Um, so that's the that computer is to control it, but then also to monitor it because all this information, every single minute, the system reads every value. And so in a day, I'm getting about 40,000 data points at every minute. What is the temperature? What's the EC? What's the air temperature? What's the CO2 level? What's the depth of the reservoir? Um, what's the, the uh, air conditioner or the, the, the watts of the dehumidifier? Because I track the power usage of things like the dehumidifier because that enables me to see if I've sized it correctly. If I see that thing is peaked and running all the time, then you, you're going to need a bigger dehumidifier um, or it's set up incorrectly where it's short cycling because uh, something's blowing on it or it's, it's just not moving the air properly. So the, the human interface part is, again, it's gathering the data, but also it's what, and again, you can see in the video, it shows the, the graphs. It's what I'll put up in my bedroom up on the TV and I'll be, you know, live streaming, you know, I have his exactly showing, you know, gauges what, what my current pH is. And if it gets too high, it can send off an alert, but it also changes. So I have everything kind of green when things start going red, that's a problem. So um, also with this human interface component um, computer, it allows me to go back at any point in time of the grow and see exactly at that stage what that environment was. So it gives me history for analysis. So every grow, I have all that information. It might seem overkill to say, well, you don't need to do it every minute. But with some of these systems and these time series databases and things that they have out there, it's, it's not that much information. It's not a high def 4K video that's streaming. It's got more bandwidth in, in probably a minute than you'd, you'd have in an entire grow. So um, if you can gather that information, why not have it? And again, it's very easy to then go back and with the, you know, with a mouse, I can just select a certain time span and it shows me all the stage, all the, um, the readings from all the sensors at that point in time. And I, I think it's just a, a really useful thing to have. So that's really what people and I spend my most time using is the human interface. The other things just do their job. I'm not there to, I try and, you know, they, they, they manage the system. Gotcha. You uncovered a lot there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a lot of control with this plant studio platform. I mean, guys, check out the video that is in the link in the description on the, on the website. You'll see exactly what we're talking about, what exactly what Simon just explained with the graphs and so on and so forth. Now for the reservoir controller, you said that's controlled on one computer and it really sounds just so hands off. I know a lot of people are probably listening to this and their, their ears are really perking up because it completely automates feeding entirely. 
and you can have several different bottles hooked up to this and it can dose and it can wait for things to be stable. Then it could do the next dose and then wait. And, and it's just, I've never seen this level of automation before, you know, particularly on the home growth side of things. I know there are some commercial operations that are automated. I don't know how automated they are, but for the most part, the fact that you can actually control the water levels, right? Your hands off on the water level, your hands yeah. off on dosing nutrients, your hands yeah. off on pH, right? And then you're even hands off when it comes to your environment completely because you have an environmental controller. I was going to ask you where the probes are located within the space, but you have a you have basically a controller of probes that hook up to the environmental controller that's going to t- automatically turn on and off your humidifier, dehumidifier, air conditioner, heater in order to control those those measurements, right? Those variables. Yep. Uh, where is the the probes located for like CO2 and temp and stuff that's like that. the one that is hanging. I have conduit that goes uh, from the en- environment controller, which is it's just to the left of the, the wall mounted mini split. And um, it, it basically goes along the ceiling right into the middle of the grow area. So as I uh, basically that's not automated the raising and lowering of that that sensor but that sensor is the temperature humidity and co2 sensor on on um on a wire basically so that is hardwired to the environment controller itself gotcha and then one other piece which i don't i think you might have briefly covered it is it's shown in the video is it automatically is calculating your energy consumption and putting a dollar sign to it Right, so it's telling you literally, it's having a water. How much water you're using, putting a dollar amount to it. How much you're spending for water, nutrients, yep. dollar amount, yep. electricity consumption, dollar amount. So you're getting down to that granular level. That will vary based, obviously, on where you live. In in the uh, New England, water here is is pretty cheap. Um, uh, California, I know that's that's a different story, and the the electricity is the the biggest. Um, resource. Uh, I do track. I track the the electric, the CO two usage, the water, and the nutrients. Because you know how many milliliters you put in of each nutrient. I also have a, a database saying this is the nutrient I got. I spent this much for the nutrient, and it has this many milliliters in it. So I know on a per milliliter, how much does that nutrient cost on a per milliliter basis? So when I feed it, I know how much that, that feeding even cost. Uh, you know, my, electric, my electric cost, when it is really cranking for me here, is about $5 a day is my, is my cost. And by having a sealed room, the AC and the dehumidifier are kind of close to half the other half of the lights. So that is the price that you pay. I have been thinking about, you know, ways of, you know, using the winter, uh, the, the cold outside. Can I use that as a means of dehumidifying or cooling without directly bringing that air in using some kind of a chiller system and, and making it more efficient? Um, however, for simplicity's sake, having everything in the room just um, is definitely the way to start. Um, and a sealed room, I think, is a good way of starting. You can always go to air exchange if um, if it makes sense, if the environment is conducive to that. But again, I'm about knowing that it's totally controlled and not being able to have an excuse and saying, "Well, that was a hot day, and all the humidity is being killing me." Uh, I don't, I, you know, this this box could be run in any environment. Um, as long as the ambient environment where the reservoir is obviously doesn't get below freezing. You know, I can I have a heater, I have a chiller for the reservoir, which is outside of the, uh, the studio box itself. So that, that, um, that's something that, again, I'm constantly trying to improve the efficiency of the resources used for growing. And, um, you know, that's why I'm also... Uh, excited to try out the soil, doing a soil grow next, because, um, you know, my, my last grow, I, I decided to put each plant on a scale. And 
that's what I was going to ask you about next is if you could talk about the, the scale <laughs> side of things, because that's pretty mind blowing as well. Yeah. So, and, and that, that's even changed from, from that grow until now, initially the, the idea was how do I, you know, when to water plants, a lot of people would say, well, you, you pick them up and you, you get a sense of how, you know, the weight and um, gives you a better sense than just trying to stick your finger in the top and feeling how dry the soil is. And so I built six scales, which are all Wi-Fi enabled or part of the system. And every minute they report their weight. So when I fertigate, I was using these covers um, that have two misters in them and it would water all the plants at the same time. And it worked great in the beginning, but, um, and, and the nice thing is I could see also by doing that, that all the plants were actually getting water. If one of them were to clog, I've never had a clogging issue. You really shouldn't actually have a clogging issue. If you always have a pre-filter by the way, for your pump, I'd always recommend you have to put a pre-filter on the pump that really almost mitigates, um, clogging issues. And, um, so all the plants I could see would be getting a liter, few, a couple liters when they, when they were smaller and it was very accurate. They all got the same amount. They, their weight would all increase. But then as one plant would um, overtake and have different water requirements of the other, now I'm like, well, I don't want to give them all the same amount of water. One needs more than the other. So I'd end up taking some of the misters and I'd say, hey, give it to this guy. So he gets extra and he gets one less because there was two misters per plant. But now you're going away from the whole automation thing. So my latest setup that I actually haven't run yet is a um, manifold. It's like an irrigation manifold, but um, but it's also why it's controlled by the reservoir controller that can say, send water only to this plant. So now I can water each individual plant um, separately. And what that's going to allow for is, you know, you can try different experiments. I could let some plants, if, if they're all clones, then that would be almost ideal because you could really then understand different watering patterns and how they affect those plants. Do you want to do a deep watering uh, less frequently, sh uh, small watering more frequently? And the other part is that also because it ties into the reservoir, I could then potentially um, mix in the reservoir a different mix potentially for each plant. So I could put in, and I'm, I'm actually going to have to downsize the reservoir a little bit if I'm doing on an individual plant basis, but by with a smaller reservoir, I could then mix up some nutrients, send it to plant A, and then I can flush that out or, you know, empty, empty, um, you know, give it all everything that's in the reservoir, empty it out. And then for the next plant, give it a different nutrient and maybe a different quantity. So again, you can then set up different uh, tests, experiments for all these different plants. And that to me is a great way of doing your uh, phenotype hunting because you obviously, you know, you start with your genetics but different uh, nutrients, what works for some might not work for others. And this way, I think it's a good way of automating, staying consistent, because I think a lot of people, when you're growing, they go, well, I'm not going to mix up a different batch for each different plant. But if it's automated, it doesn't then let the machine do the work. You don't, you just sit and watch and get an idea of, you know, what effect that has. That's still coming down to the person to look at the plants, to see if it's a happy plant or not, and um, to see what kind of results you get. And that to me, as far as the gardening, that, that seems like that's the, the enjoyable part of it. That's so cool. That's really, really cool. So the last piece I wanted to have you talk about, which is really fascinating, is the imaging computer you have that inspects the plant health. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, so that's a, a, actually a, a separate computer. It's, a, it's really a small computer that I had hooked up to an old SLR that, that I had. And, um, you know, the, they just, you want a, 
a good camera with a good lens is going to take much better pictures. And um, so it's set up so that every 10 minutes of the plant, a plant of the plant's life, they have their picture taken. And the idea is that it only takes their picture, but it also stores it on that monitoring computer. So every, at any point in time, not only could I go back and saying, what was I feeding or what, what, um, what was the EC and pH, but you can also see how the plants looked. And the thing that I actually found that, I mean, originally I did it because I thought it was just kind of cool. I, I was like, everyone likes a time lapse. I don't know if you've seen the um, amazing fungi uh, do, uh, oh, show yeah. on, on Netflix and all those time lapses are just uh, mesmerizing. Yep. And the, the, the cool thing is, I think when you feed your plants, uh, you can't see how they're doing at that point, uh, the, how they're responding. But if you put it in a time lapse and you get to look at them over that, even over one day, you know, you know, you got your six pictures an hour and in a day you get to see, did they seem to respond well or not? Because people seem to have a good sense of a happy or a non-happy plant and definitely seeing the growth, you can watch it within one day. It's pretty easy to see growth just even at a 10 minute interval pictures. So again, it's partly for, I thought it was cool, um, but I found it really useful. So then I, I am able to run a script and at the end of the day, it can, it can just generate that day's time-lapse, or I could say, give me over the last three days or from the beginning of the grow until now. So I watch time-lapses all the time just to get a feel for the plants and, you know, just cause it's kind of cool to watch also, I guess. Yeah, that is really cool. I don't do as many time lapses as I should. A lot of people like to see the time lapses in, in videos, and I don't do many of them. I've only done a handful of them. I know there's a lot of content creators that do a lot of time lapses, but that's really cool that you're able to add that into your automated system and, you know, for plant health purposes, so you can see yeah. how well your yeah. plant is doing as far as the health of the plant. Yeah, the, the other part is, um, I should have mentioned is it's also a great way of, again, if you have a high enough res picture, being able to take something and then maybe identifying um, plant issues that you're having, uh, deficiencies, uh, overwatering, is it underwatering? Like sometimes you can look at a plant and you get a sense of that. So um, that's also something I continue to grow. I do want to get it so that I can get in closer on the individual leaves so that you can start to identify what you know what might be going on with the plant itself uh, from a health standpoint so that's that's the other aspect that I think is useful uh, ideally I'd love to tie it into some kind of a computer vision where the system can kind of look and go oh that looks like you've got a calcium deficiency that looks like that's um you know it's been overwatered or underwatered or that whatever the problem may may be and um Again, I, I know some people might say, well, you know, that's going to take an expert, a person in order to be able to identify that. But people have to realize, too, that with the computer vision, a lot of that stuff and the, the AI is it is people training those systems. So it's really is a person takes pictures and they say, this is this problem and this looks like that problem. And after you've given the machine enough of those it gets better identifying it itself. So then everyone doesn't have to be an expert on that. You can have experts who have identified these issues and then that gets, then everyone could have the power of those expert opinions via computer vision without a person actually looking personally at their plants. So I do think that the AI and the machine learning stuff is, is a fascinating and definitely a, um, we'll definitely be seeing a lot more of that. Um, and it's, it's already been done quite a bit also. Nice. Nice. So when will this plant studio be available and you know, how much does something like this cost? That's, uh, <laughs> it's not currently available. Um, unfortunately, um, it, it, and it's something that it's difficult because it requires, it's a, it's a large, um, box. It's a large machine, but also requires um, an electrician 
to bring in um, you know a circuit. Uh, I, I have a thirty amp two forty volt uh, circuit going to a sub panel. And again, I'm not an electrician, so I had to have an electrician hook that up. If you have the mini split, depending on the distance that you're running it, um, you might have to you you'd have to have someone come in who has access who can charge it with the um, required refrigerant to get that going. So it's it's kind of like you know, putting an addition on a house or something. You need like these these subs to the, who can all do their part. Um, you know, to, to get everything going. Um, it's not to say I wouldn't like to get to that point. Um, and that is also why I've made a lot of the, like the, the reservoir controller itself, I made, I didn't want to cut out with wood. So I actually got a CNC machine, learned to use a CNC machine, designed it, had the CNC cut all the parts out and then put it together. Um, so it was a perfect fit. So it works well for replication. I've never replicated it again using that yet. I've still, because I, I, I've been getting into the, the details of the software and stuff, but, um, you know, and it, it's, it'd be pretty expensive because a lot of the components that I use are really good. But one thing you have to keep in mind is you need good sensors to get good data. If your pH sensor is not accurate, it's garbage in, garbage out. So you, you need good quality information. And um, if you want the efficiency of uh, the air conditioning, you need something that's going to be, have a high SEER rating. It'll cost you less to run it. You could do it with uh, less expensive units and stuff. So um, I know it's not exactly answering your question, um, but it is something that I, I do think about. And I, um, I you know, I am... Um, Definitely, definitely working on it for sure. Gotcha. Yeah. Even if it was just individual components, you know, whether it be the controllers right. or even like the software, right? I'm sure people would love, I'm sure people are listening to this, salivating how the software is and how, uh, you know, automated it can be, you know, just yeah. if it was a plug and play version where you could attach your own equipment that you have in your growth space to the software, mm -hmm. I think that would be extremely beneficial. So hope to see yeah. something like that in the future. Yeah. So wrapping things up. How can the listeners find you and what do you have upcoming in the future? Um, my email, my easiest way is to email me is uh, my email is simon at romanski.com. That's uh, S-I-M-O-N at romanski.com. Uh, plant Studio, plantstud.io is my uh, website. And um, I'm planning on doing, I want to do more social media and, and interact more with people like minded people out there, or even people who could complement what I do. I, I don't consider myself to have a green thumb. I am able to automate and I, I've learned a lot from YouTube and uh, listening to shows like yours, as far as the, the more the cultivation side of things. But I, you know, my angle and my what I bring really is the the systems and the, the the automation to it. So, you know, I'm basically just I also want to help people understand that automation, it seems complicated and some people go, well, it's also prone to error. And if that doesn't work, then uh, then it's going to, you know, then then what's going to happen to my grow. But I think most people will find that it is there to help you to enable you and to do a lot of the things that you don't want to do. You know, I'd say don't carry a bucket of water from one to another, even something as simple like using something like um, some of these diaphragm pumps you can get for 50 bucks that has a built-in pressure switch. So you can stick a hose in a bucket and it self primes, it pumps the water and sends it to where you want to be. Use something like that. Don't, don't make it hard on yourself. So use some of the stuff out there make you enjoy it more. Uh, I would start at least monitoring, get, get an inexpensive camera to look at your, your grow. And you could even pan over to a temperature and humidity sensor. That's just a standalone sitting there. And now you can remotely see it and you can get these cameras for like 35 bucks that can pan and tilt. 
they want you to get the subscription for it. But if you're just doing a live view to check on your plants and see what the current environment is, why not do that? It's a, it's a very inexpensive way of being able to kind of have some remote access to your grow and to give you some hopefully comfort that, that everything's going well. So, you know, that, that would be my advice um, for people. And um, again, people feel free if any of this is interesting and would like to reach out to me, you know, please do so. I'll leave a link to Simon's Instagram page on Instagram as well. I'll link that down in the, the description section below. And also a link to the website will be down in the description section below. If you enjoyed this video, click that like button. If you haven't already, subscribe to the channel, release episodes every single weekend. I'd love to know in the comment section, what type of automation do you have in your garden? Let us know down in the comment section below. Lastly, if you are tuning in on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating and review. We are coming up to, I believe, 200 ratings and reviews, so almost there. Need your help to get there. And thank you to everyone who has left a rating and review so far. Simon, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. This has been an eye-opener and a sense to know that there is this automation being worked on and things will be easier for people in the garden, you know, particularly indoors. And I'm excited for the future. So thanks for coming on. And Thank you so much, Chris. I really I appreciate you uh, having me on to talk about this stuff. And um, thank, yeah, thanks a lot. It's been great. Absolutely. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day.